I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. children are dismissed to children's church and as they're dismissed to make it less awkward for them let's all stand and let's say those words together we're proclaiming that these are statements we believe and we're looking to god's word about what do we believe if we haven't done this for a few weeks let's say it together i'll have the words up on screen for you and you can follow along with me leading i believe in god the father almighty Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Please take the pew Bibles in front of you or your Bibles that you brought with you, your tablets, and turn them on, your phones, whatever you want to use for reading God's Word, and open up to Luke chapter 1 this morning. Luke chapter 1, we'll be at verse 26, and we are in week 5 of the Creed series, and I don't know about you, maybe you're thinking, oh, is this ever going to end, but to me, I am really loving this series, and it's hard to believe we're even in week 5 already. It feels so soon, but we're in week five, and we've been talking about this series of the creed and discovering what do we believe and why, and I've said it before, I can only teach so much on a Sunday morning. You guys generally give me about 35 minutes. You've been very, very graceful to me when I've gone beyond that and be like 45 minutes every once in a while, but there's only so much I can give you, so I just hope that as we're looking to these creed statements of what we believe, I hope that they challenge you to go into God's word each week and look more into these topics, to these statements, and fully discover what do I believe and why do I believe this? Don't just take it for my word, take it for God's word. Dig into God's word, dig into scripture. The creed statements are almost 2,000 years old, but they still have a lot of truth in them, and these truths should act like a springboard, spring us into scripture to help Help us to explore what we believe and why. I shared with you in one of the first couple, in the first couple weeks, that it's like the sun and the moon. You see, you might look at the moon, especially lately, and think, 
wow, the moon is so beautiful tonight. Look at all the light that it gives to the world. But then you need, you need to remind yourself, the moon really does not give light. The moon is a reflection of the sun, or it reflects the sun's light. Well, the same is true for the creed. The creed reflects scripture, reflects God's word. The creed lets you know that God's word is there. And we can use this creed as a great way to summarize some of our beliefs. And I say some because it does not summarize all of our beliefs. But we should not allow this to be the only thing we ever go to. We need to go to God's word. And I recently saw a statistic that I think it's like 45%. It's less than 50% of evangelicals, of, of Christ-professing believers, actually go into God's word more than three times a week. That's pretty pathetic, guys. And I'm sorry to be blunt, but we should be making time to be in God's word every single day. And especially in the world where it's so easy now to do so. We have our hard back, our, our leather-wrapped Bibles. And we have so many, they're so open to us. You can even get a free one at the hotel. If you need a Bible, see me, I'll give you a free one to take home today. But then our tablets, our cell phones, they all have Bibles. Not just Bibles, they have Bible reading apps. They have Bible reading plans, which help you. And not just that, every day, they're actually send you a reminder. Would you like to read your now? I found a new app this past week called Dwell. And I've been kind of enjoying it because Dwell is a Bible reading app. And it's kind of like the YouVersion Bible app where it gives you lots of Bible reading plans. But instead of being devotional type content like a plan like that, which, by the way, many devotionals, we got many resources. This Dwell app is all about reading the Bible to you. It's an audio Bible. So maybe you struggle with reading words on a page. Well, here's this Dwell app. But what's kind of cool about it, especially depending on what story you're listening to, they have a Bible, re read the Bible in 90-day plan. It's about an hour, hour and 15 minutes per day you can listen to the Bible. You can change the speed of how fast they read. You can change the voice. And this is a rabbit trail. I'm sorry, but I hope it's a resource for you. I like this voice. His name is Felix. And Felix is a, sounds like he's from Africa, like the Sudan. I was reading the story of Daniel in the lion's den to this African voice. It was just so cool. Now they put... They put some inspiring music in the background, too, like piano and stuff. And you can turn all that off, on, whatever helps you. It, but that's not really what matters. What matters is, are you getting into the Word of God? Because you cannot be a Christian and not be in the Word of God. We should be always growing in knowledge of Him. We should be always growing in, in living according to His ways and not our own. But back to the topic at hand. We're in this creed series, and we're in week five. And with week five, we're moving on. We're in the second week of what we said last week is now being at the real meat of the creed. Most of the creed is not about God the Father. It's not about the Spirit. Most of the creed is about Jesus Christ, the Son. And last week, we had this introduction to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Well, today, <clears throat> we're talking about this. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, and this week, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Today's major theme 
is going to be this, if you want to write it down in your notes. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. We're going to talk about that later, but let me read to you from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Please follow along in your Bibles in front of you, the pew Bibles, whatever. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, we read this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel is sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you for giving your attention to that. And I got to say, as I'm reading this, I kept thinking, I wish I could like reread it a hundred times for you and try different voices like that Felix I said. There's a voice named Gregory. He's like English and has this really refined voice. But I was thinking to myself, I wonder how the angel would have sounded. I mean, would this be this big booming voice as this angel comes before her and is announcing this news to Mary, this troubling news? And I, I thought about calling the Fossum family last night. Sorry to put you on the spot, but Jonathan Foster has this Fossum. I'm sorry, Foster. We, get, we do have a Foster family, so forgive me. Jonathan Fossum has a great narrator voice, and I love seeing him read and be a voiceover and narrator for last year's Christmas program here. And I just thought, how cool would it be to have Jonathan come up here and read this for us? Maybe I'll have him do it at the end. Nope, I'm getting a head shake, no. <laughs> Anyways, what a great story. A virgin birth, strange but true. This is a story which we often only look to around Christmas time. And that's kind of a great injustice. In fact, we've got some people, I know some people out here already thinking, why are we even looking at this? It's not Christmas time. I get upset enough when they play Christmas songs before Thanksgiving. I'm one of those guys. I wanted to play a Christmas song for you this morning. I was this close to getting our worship leader, Brian Lundgren, to do like Silent Night or Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I would have loved it because... Christ's birth is not just to be celebrated at Christmas. We celebrate it every single day. And, <laughs> and let me tell you, our church fathers or, or our, the previous believers before us who came up with this Apostles' Creed, these statements, they knew how important 
this was for everybody to believe in for all of eternity. The virgin birth is strange, but it's true. The virgin birth of Jesus is the doctrine. Now, doctrine's kind of a fancy word that just means believe. And I had somebody the other month I heard that said, doctrine, theology, you don't believe in that stuff, do you? And it shows that sometimes we speak before we really know what things mean. Doctrine simply means um, belief or what you, the belief of this or the knowledge of this. So, so the doctrine of the virgin birth is simply that Jesus was conceived and born by his mother Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit and without a human father. Or as we said at the beginning in this creed statement, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Now these statements are very important. And they have been preserved for us throughout history by God and his people. By God through his holy word, the Bible. The inspired word of God is very important to us because it passes down all this knowledge to us. From generation to generation to generation. And we talked earlier about this great resource we have in the Bible. And having the printed word of God. How amazing it is that people used to not have this blessing. People went to the temple. They got taught. And then they would go home and teach their families or teach others. But they had to do it all from memory. So because of that, they were even more intentional to make sure they listened to every single word. Now, we do have manuscripts, thousands of manuscripts which have been found to prove the existence of these stories and the factualness of these stories. The Bible reveals the past to us, and it is accurate. It is true. There is more copies of this truthful book and the manuscripts which this book comes from than any other work in, in history. The Bible is the greatest selling book of all the greatest selling book of all time. There are more copies of it than anything else out there. The shameful thing is many of them are just sitting on a shelf collecting dust. But this message, this sermon isn't about that. It's about Jesus being conceived of the Spirit, born of a virgin. And, but we can continue to look to how the virgin birth is important. And God and his people have preserved the truth of the doctrine or beliefs of the virgin birth for us in many ways. Because not just God's word, the Bible. Two, we have creeds like what we're studying today. Creedal statements which help people to pass this down generation to generation to generation to remember what is important to their faith. But don't think that these creeds, these statements are what save you. No, it's only by the grace of God. The power is not in this creed. The power is in the word of God and what God's done to, for you through Jesus Christ. Three, we have testimonies and stories. You have a testimony. You have a story. And it's just as important to be telling people your story. And number four, we have songs. We have songs. We have hymns. We have spiritual songs which have been passed down through the generations. And they may change with time. They may change um, with the instruments you use or the melody you use or how you sing it. But what should not change is the truth of the words contained within those songs. The virgin birth... And believing in Jesus, being conceived by the Holy Spirit, is foundational for our faith. Without believing in this creedal statement, the gospel does not save sinners. Now let me summarize this a little bit different for you, a little bit simpler. If you're taking notes, write this statement down. Without the virgin birth, Christ is not God. Or more simply put again, 
without the virgin birth, Christ is not God, point one. Point two, Jesus could never have saved sinners. And point three under that, everything would be a lie. Everything would be a lie. You see, if you doubt the virgin birth, which is in God's word, I mean, you can't mistake it. It's there. What else are you going to doubt? What else are you going to call a lie? Without Jesus being the son of God, we wouldn't be saved. It's because of the virgin birth that we have the cross. That we have the crucifixion of a blemishless, sacrificial lamb who is Jesus. The one who would, be saved, who, would, who would deliver us all. The one who would save. For Jesus to save, we needed him to be both God and man. We needed him to be conceived of the spirit, not conceived of human man. Because if he was conceived by human man, that sinfulness would have been passed down to him. But because he was conceived by the spirit, he doesn't have that sin. And he is the son of God. We needed Jesus to be born of a virgin, conceived of God, the spirit, so that the human sinful condition of Adam would not be passed down. Al Mueller said this in a quote, To the Christian who does not believe in these things, he lives a life of eternal danger, of peril, as he does not believe in the same one who is testified in God's word, the same one who saves. Think about that. If you do not believe in the virgin birth of a Jesus being conceived by the Spirit, of the Spirit, being born of the virgin, you don't believe in the Savior that the Bible tells us about. You're making your own God. And your own God is never going to add up to the God of the Bible. We need the God of the Bible. We need Jesus Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Trinity. We need all three of them in our lives. But without the virgin birth... Christ would not be God. He would not be perfect. He would not be blemishless. Now, we're all sons of God. You could say that. We're all children of God. But there's a difference here. Jesus, being conceived of the Spirit, has a divine power to him. He is forever begotten Son of God. He has all the powers of God. We'll get more on that here in a moment. But the church must not believe anything less than the truth presented in God's word. Let me say that again. The church, that's us, should not believe anything less than the truth presented in God's word here today. Scripture only tells one story. One story. And that's this story. If you're believing any other story, well then this is not God's story, that's not God's word, and that's not the one that will save you. This is scandalous news. A virgin did what? It's scandalous news, but nothing will be impossible with God. Pregnant? How? What? When? Huh? How could this be? It goes against everything we know from science, from biology, from what the world teaches us, but here's the thing. That's as far as I'm going to take it. I'm going to say this. You fail to put God into the picture. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. People want to say that this could not happen because science can't prove it. We can't duplicate it on our own. We can't come up with some scientific theory. But here's the thing. And R.C. Sproul said this quote. I love this. It says that something cannot be duplicated in a controlled laboratory experiment does not mean that it never happened. 
No laboratory experiment can eliminate all possible variables. The variable of time is always a problem, but here specifically, catch this. In dealing with the virgin birth, there is the possibility of a divine omnipotence variable. Try building that one into your model. Nothing will be impossible with, with God. We can't put that into a variable because we're not God. But what we can put into a variable is knowing what God has displayed to us in his word. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And he is ever-present. And he created the world and everything in it. He's the creator of all. He always has been. He always will be. And he loves you. He loves you. God can do this. The scriptures teach nothing less than the virgin birth of Christ. And scriptures teach nothing less than nothing is impossible with God. Pastor, author Ray Pritchard points out three simple statements regarding the virgin birth of Christ. Number one, Luke explicitly included it in their Gospels. And then, that's an important number one. Luke explicitly included their Gospels, uh, included it in the Gospel. Um, and again, this is from Pastor Ray Pritchard, but it's very common sense statements. Number two, it has been universally believed and it's important that how explicit, how, how detailed Luke was, and, and this is in the scriptures, because there's no doubt beyond it. But it's also universally accepted throughout time. The doctrine reaches across various divisions of Christendom. I'm sorry, here, I've got it up here. Well, I thought I did, I'm sorry. Number three, it has also been hotly debated. I won't argue that fact. I know it's been hotly debated if this is true. But for the most part, this hasn't been but for the last 150 or so years that it was hotly debated. And that's when we started getting this knowledge upon us to think that we can explain things. And we should be able to explain all things. We should be able to come up with a theory to prove the answer to all things. But there's a lot of things we still cannot prove. We can come up with a theory, but a theory is not proof. A theory is not proof. You can't prove all things. It wasn't until recent history where we have come into thinking that we know enough to theorize how God does things. I heard a pastor, um, Al Mueller, was talking about this, and he said this. He said um, it was about 100 years ago, roughly, where Christian colleges, seminaries, started telling pastors that they don't have to believe in the virgin birth because if they feel led by Scripture in another direction, that's okay. They won't lose their tenure as a professor. They won't lose their job teaching against the virgin birth. Because if they feel scripture is teaching them something else, it's okay. And this Al Mueller said, how does that even make sense? Because the scripture does not say anything else. The scripture is evident here. Nothing will be impossible with God. Remember that truth. Nothing will be impossible with God. And this point comes straight from Scripture, verse 37. We need to be careful what we take from God's Word to make sure it's really there. Make sure we're not molding God's Word into something we want to hear. And this is obvious. Nothing will be impossible with God. It is true. It is essential. It is glorious. Glorious. I love saying that word. Everybody say that word. It's glorious. Isn't that fun? It's true, it's essential, it is glorious. Nothing is impossible with God. So the virgin birth, it's strange, but it's true. It's strange, 
but it's important, it's strange, and we question it. How could this happen? By the act of a sovereign God. That's it. By the act of God. We can't explain it. We can't do it. But we can explain it if we put that variable in there. If we put the variable in here that God is the one who did it. The Holy Spirit is the one who did it. And we don't try and argue with God. We don't doubt God. We don't mock God. I want to look to this Luke scripture a little bit more. Let me, let me just read it to you and we're, we'll have some points taken from it. And you're going to see five points, five descriptors, five characteristics of this baby, of Jesus. Why, why would Mary be so troubled? Let's read this. If you still have your Bibles open, look down to them. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, now there's so much info here. Six months. Notice later on you see that, that Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, so we know who's the deliverer, who's the messenger, an angel named Gabriel, was sent from God. We know who he was sent from. He was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now we know the place. We know who's, who's there. We know the people who's being set up for this story. We know the place. Now we're going to find out who he goes to. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now again, very important information here. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. Now, who is this greatly troubled woman? Mary. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern, tried to understand, tried to explain away in her mind, tried to think through what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And keep in mind, I mean, the angel already told her, Do not be afraid. She already admitted she's troubled. And, or scripture tells us she was greatly troubled. I mean, why? <laughs> well, let's see. You're in your house, doing your laundry, cleaning house. Your makeup's not done. Your hair is not done. I don't know. I wasn't there. But what I do know is we've got this story telling us an angel of the Lord sent from God appears before you. I think I'd be troubled, right? I, I think I'd be wondering what is going on here. Think about that word troubled. It could mean many things. She was greatly troubled could mean she was in awe. She was, she was concerned. She was baffled. She was not knowing what is going on in front of her, right? Well, anyways, let's read on here. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born who to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Verse 37, our theme for today, for nothing will be impossible with who? With God. 
And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now let me catch up here a little bit, um, try and wrap up, try and come to some type of conclusion here. We've got a few pages left, but this is good stuff. But first, notice the angel Gabriel, Gabriel it's, it's very detailed, came to a virgin. And also notice that this announcement, I circled in my word, you might be able to want to. It says in verse 31, and behold, you will conceive. You will conceive. You see, I think God likes to talk about what he's going to do before he does it. Because he wants to, know, he wants to make sure we have time to understand, to prayerfully consider, and to think through what he's going to do. That's, that's number one. He likes, to, he likes to give us a heads up what's going to happen. So that we can understand it, so that we can see it, so that we can look for it. But number two is this. God wants us to know what he's doing so that we can give the glory to him. God wants us to know what he's doing so we can give the glory to him because nothing will be impossible with God. She was a virgin and she will be with child, will be. She was not pregnant already. She was not married yet. Notice that detail. She was betrothed to Joseph. She wasn't married yet. Nothing has happened yet. And Luke emphasizes this very much. Three times he uses that word, and in three different ways he explains it to us. God wanted to make sure we understood this. Mary is very, <laughs> this news of Mary is very important here. The angel Gabriel calls her the favored one. Notice that word, favored one, which, which basically means blessed. You are a blessed one. Listen to this news I'm about to give you. This was not a punishment of the Lord. This was a great blessing that God was giving her. But it still would be troubled news. Troubling news. So think about this. An act of grace or, a, or an act of a great blessing can also be scary. John Piper once said, The highest and most precious gifts of God do not always come to us in attracted, attractive colors. Grace can perplex. Grace can frighten. We should learn from Mary's example, though, when she hears this troubling news, which is also a blessing, a great blessing, and she's called the favored one. She does not lash out at God for frightening her. She considers in her mind, she thinks through it. She contemplates what's happening. And then later on, you'll see that she praises God for it. She, she has a song, which is just great. We need to put a praise on it. We need to put a praise on things for our life, too. Even the bad things, all things work together for God's good. God is still in control. And with God, all things will be possible. God will often make it plain and simply for us to see, simple for us to see the blessing. But sometimes we're so busy looking for the bad in all things that we fail to see the good in things. And we need to take a moment to put a praise on it. Take a moment to see God's grace in the strange, God's grace in the troubling news. But here's the other troubling thing. The angel tells her, do not be afraid. And yet, look how Jesus, this baby, Mary's child, will be described. He's described with the name Jesus, meaning Savior or Deliverer. But don't be afraid, Mary. Your child will be your Savior. You're Jesus. That's pretty intimidating, isn't it? 
Now, moms, dads, maybe you're thinking the same. You're thinking, oh, well, my child will be my deliverer, my savior, too, because they're going to watch out for me when I get older and I get, I get in a nursing home or whatever. They're going to change my diapers someday. <laughs> it's a little different with Jesus. He's the savior of the world, but he saves us and brings life to the broken, life to the sinner, and reconnects us with God the Father. Number two, he will be great. And these are descriptors straight out of Luke here. He will be great. Jesus is great, very great. He is more great than anything you can imagine. You take your idol, some person who you wish you were like, some football player, some musician, some teacher, some firefighter, whatever. You take some idol in your life, which we shouldn't have idols, but you take somebody who you look up to and you think, I wish I was more like him. Jesus is better than anything than you can imagine. In fact, I think that's one reason that the angel Gabriel just put it like that. The best he could, could describe it, the best he could summarize is, he will be great. Don't lose the power in that statement. Number three, he will be called the son of the most high. The son of the most high, which basically puts him equal with God. The most high God. It connects them together. Four, he will sit on David's throne, fulfilling prophecy, fulfilling the promises that a son of David will rule over Israel and will save, but not just Israel, the world. And number five, his kingdom will never end. This means that Jesus is always in charge. He is always ruling. He is always saving. He is always listening. He governs as he sees fit, but he is always governing. No matter where you are on this planet, whatever time it is, we have the choice to bow down before him because he never goes away. Mary herself questioned the news about that was given to her. What about Mary? She questioned what was happening. But notice she did not mock God. She did not doubt God. She was not insulting the news that came to her. It's more the fact that she was just troubled. She was in awe. How could this be? What is going on? But she trusted. She knew. She knows the power of God. She believes the truth of his word. And she knew that she would be his messenger. And notice her response in Luke 1, 46 to 49. After she had time to prayerfully consider what was going on, she had time to hang out with Elizabeth and talk through this pregnancy. She, she says these words. Mary's song of praise, verse 46 of Luke 1, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. This virgin birth may have been troubling news, but it was great news. The virgin birth may be strange news, but it's important news, it's truthful news, and it's great news. How do we respond to God when he gives us troubling news? How do we respond to God when he gives us blessings which maybe don't look like a blessing? Do we put a praise on it? How do we follow after God? How do we serve God? To summarize this, let me move to the ending here. I say this. Mary, in verse 38, says this. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to his word. We should have that same attitude of serving God by faith. 
knowing that nothing will be impossible with God. And we can look to Mary and Joseph and see their faithful service to the Lord, and we can say, Lord, help me to have that same type of spirit. We should not idolize Mary. No, she, we don't. We only idolize God. But we can look to how she lived and just say, Lord, help me to live like her. Help me to live like her. Help me to say these words, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to his word, I am yours. Can you say that? Can you truly say that this morning? If you look at your life, can you say, This is how you're living? Because if not, you've got to get your life straight. And I ask you, do it today. Do you trust him enough to say that? I am yours. I am yours, Lord. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word, your will, your plan. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this great day which you've given us. And I thank you for the grace which you've bestowed upon us with our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the King. We thank you that he was conceived through the Spirit, of the Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. Lord, we thank you for the life that that world would bring and the reconnection, the restored relationship with you, the Father. We pray now, Lord, these words, I am yours. Lord, I'm yours. Behold, I am a servant of the